1: It starts with some beer, so you shouldn't have fear. Two garbage guys with facts, but they both still have tact. It's that time at last for the best damn podcast. It's Can Crusher Day! And welcome to one of my favorite times of the week. It's time for Can Crusher Spotlight. And if you notice, it comes out a little bit early this week because, literally, we're on the road to the Crockett Cup. Uh, More on that later, as we always say with the the stupid teasers. But this week's episode is with Sean Phoenix. Uh, We're out promoting Rise from the Ashes, May 10th in Lamont Furnace, Check it out. We have everything tagged on our website that will lead you to their website. Stomp out cancer, uh, Tickets are getting scarce, guys. It's 20 bucks to get into this event. And all the proceeds are going to go to Sean Phoenix. And we talk about this during the show. Uh, what it's going to help, what it's going to do for him. If you don't know, uh, he took a horrible horrible crash, October 6th at Unbreakable at IWC, and Unbreakable comes up in the interview with him as well, guys, I just sat down and did this, and Sean's such a great guy for what he wants to do to help others, because they're helping him, Uh, we talk wrestling, but the gist of this is, help Sean, this is what it's all about. Get your rear ends in gear. Get to Lamont Furnace on May 10th. Rise from the ashes. We'll take a quick break. We'll hear from Collar and Elbow. And then we'll dive into the interview with Sean Phoenix. Guys, it's amazing. Wrestling. A love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. And welcome back to Can Crushers. Oh man, the story with this guy, uh, I feel for him. I want him to get back in the ring. There's so much to talk about. Guys, he is, uh, he's got a list of nicknames, so I'm going to probably call them all, but it's the Pittsburgh Prince of Pyro, Sean Phoenix. Welcome to Can Crusher, Sean.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh,
1: Where the hell did you come up with all the nicknames first? uh, We have a list of stuff to talk about, but you got the Firebird, the Firestarter, Straight Edge Spitfire... Punk, rock, pyrotechnic. I, who gave, are you giving yourself nicknames or what?
0: Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of that and a little bit of uh, other people doing it. Uh, Lee Moriarty and I were in a competition to see who come up with the most nicknames. And, uh, every time, uh, we started, we started the bit, uh, for the first Stomp Out Cancer show when we wrestled each other. We were like, oh, we're gonna have Hank, uh, the ring announcer, like, read all of our nicknames at the time. And, uh, (laughs) we ate up like three minutes just of Hank Hudson doing our intros. So then, uh, I was like, this is kind of funny. And then, uh, the next year I was like, all right, Hank, I got three more for you. And he's like, oh, you're not going to make me say six now. And I was like, nah, you can just do these three new ones. So then like, I would constantly add and switch it up just to confuse Hank Hudson. And, uh, then it became the competition with Lee to see like who could have, uh, as many nicknames as possible, uh, and then I found out that David Starr does the same thing, which kind of bummed me out because I wanted that to be a thing, like, oh this guy, he's known for having all these nicknames on top of other things. So I'm I'm constantly trying to come up with more just to keep myself entertained.
1: But who did it first? You or David? Probably David. Oh uh, yeah, you should have said you trademarked it. Damn it, it's all, you're crushers. <laughs> Say you trademarked it first. Nobody's gonna check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i came out with there first yeah for I, sure all right I, I might edit that out um all right so we're, we're gonna rewind all the way back uh you've been in the business uh, a little bit but when you were a little firebird who got you into wrestling was it grandpa was it mom uh super hentai said his sister got him into wrestling did your dog get you in, involved i mean why did you like wrestling when you were a kid
0: Okay, so my story is a little bit unique because I was a child during the Attitude Era, and I am the uh, oldest of four. So about when the time when the Attitude Era was was booming, uh, all my friends were talking about, I was probably no more than eight or nine years old, and my parents didn't feel comfortable with that content being on television and they didn't want uh, it to, you know, reflect on, on us. Like we weren't even allowed to listen to like rock music or anything like that just because of the advertisements and stuff. So they were kind of good parents in a sense. Not, not that my friend's parents were not, but like they had the finger on the pulse and they didn't want us to be, uh, exposed to anything, uh, that would influence us in any negative way. And I can't uh, hold that against them, but, uh, I remember one time I was playing outside, whatever, on a summer night, and uh, my neighbor's mom yelled out to us that wrestling was on. And we went inside, and I remember it was The Undertaker versus Stone Cold at SummerSlam uh, 98, I believe it was. And I thought The Undertaker was the coolest-looking thing ever. Like Stone Cold was on top of the world back then, and my neighbor really liked Stone Cold. I mean, he was a wrestling fan. But I saw The Undertaker, and I thought, You know, like, this guy's, like, Darth Vader and Batman, like, mixed into one, and that really, like, took me back, because I just thought it was just wrestling. Like, I didn't really know they had characters. Um, But then, you know, like, I, I knew that I wasn't allowed to watch it, and that was that. And then, randomly, ironically enough, a couple of years later, we're flipping through the channels on our black box, and we stumbled onto SummerSlam 2001. This time, it was Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold Steve Austin again, and... We knew that Kurt Angle was a Pittsburgh guy, and we kind of like begged our parents to let us watch it, just because like now we had leverage. We're like, "Yeah, he's he's from Pittsburgh. He's a good guy. He doesn't even swear," which we didn't know whether or not that was true or not. But we were just like saying whatever we could to let us watch it because we wanted to watch it. And uh, my my dad let he caved, and we had to promise to never do any moves on one another or anything like that which we obviously broke that promise, but then um, I was hooked that night. I was really into it, and then bra was the next night, and it was the night Kurt Angle came out on the milk truck, and that blew my mind because, like, that was literally the, the last thing I expected, and I was so hooked. I was like, oh, my God, literally anything can happen. This is crazy. And then um, I felt like I was late to the game because, you know, my friends had a couple of years on me of being a wrestling fan that I needed to catch up on all the knowledge. And I soaked everything up like a sponge, buying magazines and stuff like that. Then I started watching NWA TNA uh, just because it was more wrestling. And it was during this time, it was, you know, like, oh, I want to be a wrestler just like any kid wanted to. But then I heard a commercial on the radio advertising a show that had TNA guys, both then NWA, TNA, AJ Styles, CM Punk, um, Chris Saban. And I was like, oh, my God, those are the guys I watch on TV, and they're five minutes from my house. So I went to my first indie show in 2003, and it was that moment that I realized I can be a professional wrestler and uh, have been involved with wrestling ever since.
1: So, the milk truck, uh, we, we got to stay on that because that's actually one of my favorite moments. Um, we've seen the beer trucks. We saw, you know, anything else, monster trucks, this that. But uh, when Kurt brought that milk truck out, I'm like, wait, what the hell is he going to do with the milk truck? What the, What's he going to do? Yeah. And then milk is spewed everywhere. Uh, it, yeah. it, it, it was glorious.
0: It really was. Absolutely. The best part was they were hyping up all night, but. Uh, Deborah made cookies for the Alliance and Jim Ross dropped a line, You can't have cookies without milk and I was like, <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that's so funny And I, I loved it. I-, I don't know how they did that. Like do you think they warned the crowd that like, like there's a chance you're going to be like sprayed with something? Like do you think they knew?
1: Yeah, it wasn't like a Gallagher, you know, where it would smash pumpkin or watermelons or everything. They'd give you a, a tarp to be under. I don't know, but the crowd was soaked. I mean, they show it all the time well, on the network. Absolutely.
0: They were drenched. Yeah. yeah. And then I heard the story that Kurt forgot to bring an extra pair of socks. So he had to fly back home with uh, soaking wet socks, but not just, you know, water with milk. So he smelled like milk the entire time. Like, that's funny.
1: I probably would have not worn socks. You can do nah, that, right? I know, I that.
0: Yeah, I would have
1: just taken my socks off and thrown them away. Right. Um, Stone Stone Cold, The Undertaker, Kurt Angle, but you're uh, not not being mean or anything. You're none of them. So where did you come up with Sean Phoenix? Was it uh, I'm going to leak right now? Was it the Hardy Boys? Did you like them or what?
0: well yeah I, I mean i think every kid in the nineties like the hardy boys i uh i i grew up with uh b m x motocross and in mind skating skateboarding uh you know the new metal lifestyle so like i would had already been like dyeing my hair and stuff like that that wasn't anything new like the hardy boys just seemed like you know an extension of my my friends um but i, I really liked uh i also really gravitated to like the backyard wrestling videos on on well, geez, back then it would have been Kazan, LimeWire, wouldn't <laughs> I almost yeah, said Yeah, I think so. It was it would not YouTube. It was not YouTube. Uh, so I really like that. Like I always, and then like CZW, I was really into just the act because once again, I grew up with the Jackass generation, so that wasn't really out of the realm of stuff that I wasn't already doing um, with my friends. So like we would like make like tables out of plywood and chairs, and like spend a Saturday afternoon just, like, going through any move we could think of and just slamming each other through these makeshift tables and then going to school the next day. And, like, we were, like, legends at, like, like, oh, man, what'd you, what, what'd you do this weekend? Like, whoa, I, I got suplexed through a table. Like, what? You're crazy. So there was that little, like, adrenaline rush of, like, stuff like that. So, like, I always was naturally a risk-taker, like, with the sports, uh, the motocross and stuff like that and having a trampoline. Um, but then, like, I knew... Well, well, then I went to, when I went to my first IWC show, I saw guys like Super Hentai, Dirk Sigler, Matt Cross, which that actually blew my mind seeing M-Dog 20 and Josh Prohibition because they were in the Backyard Wrestling video game. And I had no clue they were real people. Like, I just thought they were for the video game. So I was like, what? But they weren't any, you know, they weren't that big. So I was like, oh, I could totally do this. But I knew I wanted to be a high flyer. Um, That's just what I always wanted to do. And like, I was always kind of like a smaller guy. So it kind of worked out, but, uh, I knew I wanted a name that, uh, that reflected, uh, high flying. So I was thinking like an avian like name, like something related to a bird. And, um, and then I also was a big fan of Ayabusa too. Uh, he was a big influence on my career. Um, so I came up with uh Phoenix and I really, cause this was back before anyone was using it. I was 12 years old. And, uh, I really liked the imagery that then you could play off of a Phoenix. You could do fire, rising, and stuff like that. It wasn't just saying, you know, blank pelican or blank seagull. Like, now you have all these, uh, iconic images. And then, um, I, I didn't want to use you know, my real first name, so I went with Sean, because to pay homage to Sean Michaels, who was a small guy, obviously, and paved the way for guys like me. And I, I like the way it sounded, and I've been Sean Phoenix since 2002.
1: Yeah, it does have a good ring. Uh, You you said so much there that um, I just listened. But uh, when you were doing backyard, did you ever do like Japanese style backyard? Did you guys ever go through like fluorescent light bulbs? Did you get the barbed wire
0: out? Were you that much of a risk taker? No, we weren't doing that. Um, see, like, my my life is broken up in stages. Like, first, there was, like, the crazy stuff we were doing that weren't really matches, but just, like, highlights just to show our friends. where We would slam each other through tables. There was that. And then, like, we started wrestling on a trampoline and trying to put matches together and have storylines. I did that when I was, like, 12. Um, and then um, there was a message board for Backyard Wrestling, and that really opened my eyes because, like... As a kid, they were so good. Like, I thought these guys were fantastic. Like, it was unbelievable. And then what they would do is they'd make these highlight videos and we'd post them onto the message board and people would critique and review and tell them, you know, tell each other what they needed to work on and stuff like that. And it turns out that um, a lot of these guys uh, had pro wrestling training. They just didn't like the politics, they didn't have it cut out or whatever. But so they did know what they were talking about. Um, so it was always like a weird goal of mine to be good enough to wrestle with these guys. But I was just a 13 year old kid on a trampoline. Um, but it turns out that I ended up meeting these guys after an IWC show in 2006. And this was out in Selinsgrove, Grove, PA. And I was like, these are the guys that I've seen on Kazaa. And here they are. Like they were like, they were like a bigger deal to me than like Keto Santana. Like I, I, it was, it's weird to think about now, but, uh, then I got invited to one of their shows, and at the age of 15, I started traveling across Pennsylvania to wrestle with complete strangers that were much older than me in a professional wrestling ring. And I did that until I was about uh, 16 because I wanted to start training. So I trained a little bit with uh, Shirley Doe, but I couldn't afford it. I was a high school, unemployed high school kid. So I stopped doing that and then had every intention to, to return to training, but then uh, went through a pretty nasty breakup and, you know, kind of fell into a depression. And I didn't really know what to do, and the only thing I knew was wrestling. So I started back there wrestling again at the age of 18, and I did that until about 21. But at this time, it was really weird because now, like, my generation of those older guys, like, they were all, like, done wrestling. Cause at that point, they would have been, like, 26 uh, so now, like, I was an older guy. Now there were guys that had saw my videos and they were looking up to me. It was so bizarre. But, like, I was traveling to Ohio, uh, Illinois, Indiana, Connecticut, like, all backyard wrestling, still learning what I was doing. Um, but never actually, like, I wasn't really, like, like, doing anything super, super crazy, unless, you know, like, the storyline, like, I thought needed it, like, if it was a blood feud or whatever. But um, right. my whole mentality was, anything I did in backyard wrestling was preparation to pro. So that's where I learned how to like get some moves familiar to myself. And it's all like muscle memory at this point. That's where I learned how to breathe fire for my entrance. That's where I learned, you know, so, so many things. Um, Do I regret it? No, but I wish I didn't do it as long as I did because there is some wear and tear in my body that I feel like I can't, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, I do feel like I've been wrestling for over 10 years, but it doesn't matter because it's backyard wrestling. Whereas if I had stayed training at 16, you know, then I could say, yeah, I've been wrestling for nearly 10 years. But Since I'm only three years professionally, I'm still technically a rookie. It's really weird, really weird dynamic how that works.
1: Well, the interview's over since you've asked, answered everything that I've had down there. Thanks for coming, Sean. We'll see you. No. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, I tend to talk a lot and give very detailed answers, so we might be here a while.
1: No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I was going to ask about training, but it was with Shirley Joe, uh, Shirley Doe and uh, most of your
0: backyard. Well, it was only with Shirley Doe for a little bit, because then um, I ended up training with Brandon Kay at Lex in 2015 i started training august in 2015 and let me preface this by saying i don't want to come off sounding cocky or anything like that but when i wasn't training like i was getting like promoters asking me like they knew me through other friends asking me if i wanted to work for them and so i had offers but i had too much respect for the business to kind of backdoor my way in so I pretty much just needed a trainer to kind of, like, give me the stamp of approval of saying that, yeah, I trained this guy. Um, and, like, training wasn't hard at all. Like, I didn't really struggle with anything. I picked, like, cause keep in mind, I had been doing it for so long with, like, guys that knew how to do a good bit of it. I just really needed someone to teach me the psychology of stuff like that and, you know, when to do this and why not to do that. So it was more of a mental... Uh, Schooling than than physical but you know like we did have like a checklist and went and i learned everything um so like like i said i, I don't regret that either like i'm super thankful that i went to the trainer i did uh, i'd walked to the end of the earth for my trainer uh, i still talk to him you know very very frequently uh pick his brain and stuff like that so I, I do know some people that did that and um they don't really go anywhere with their career where i felt like you know i need to do this start fresh i need to i don't want to be the backyard guy i want to say i'm one of brandon case kids and um, i think i can do that
1: yeah well sean you you do do that um for what i see uh all the time at iwc and videos on youtube now um you're well-rounded you really are you you you've taken your stuff from uh which I need to rewind a second in a minute, but you've taken your stuff from the backyard and you've uh, meshed everything together and you are a, a great wrestler. You really are. You, you tell. Right, yeah. w- one of our biggest things on Can Crushers is we love the story. We love the story in the ring. Like, I don't care if, yeah. you know, you're going to fight a, Terry Funk um, and you've never even talked about what's going on. You know how to tell a story in the ring, and that that's important for that match. I don't care most of the time what happened yesterday or what's going to happen. I'm there tonight. So you keep me entertained tonight. Right. You win, right? Right. Okay. So you said you were wrestling at 13, 14, 15, this, that, and the other. If your parents didn't let you watch it on TV... Why in the hell are they letting you backyard wrestle or are you doing this behind their back as well?
0: No, so like they, they knew how much I love pro wrestling, how much I, you know, soaked it up. Like I would buy action figures, I'd buy pay-per-views, I'd buy t-shirts, like it became my life. Like it was my calling, it was finally, cause like I always wanted to be an athlete of some sort and they, they knew that, you know, whether it be baseball, uh soccer and then the more extreme sports that i mentioned before um so they kind of knew like it was gonna happen um but the level of intensity only increased as i got older you know like had i been 13 there would probably been no way they would have let me travel across the state you know to wrestle with strangers um but at the age of thirteen, I was wrestling my friends in my neighborhood on my trampoline, my my elementary school friends and my parents. Well, my parents don't like wrestling. They would come to our quote unquote pay per view shows and you know support and stuff like that. But uh, then as I got older, sixteen, I'm also straight edge, and I feel like my my parents felt like you know I could be doing a lot worse. You know, at least they know where I am. I was being safe. Uh, of course, there's an asterisk on that because how safe can you be backyard wrestling? But right. uh, I, w- I wasn't doing anything super, super, super crazy. Um, I did every now and then because I like, I, I'm a risk taker. I like taking risks. Um, but they would come, you know, the, I wouldn't really travel by myself. Like they would drive me to these shows for the weekend because it was always a Saturday and Sunday show. So they kind of looked at it like a bonding thing, I think. It was mainly my dad. My dad would take me to these shows out um Sheldon's Grove PA smoking PA LaBelle PA and we'd we'd be there for the weekend then come back and I was also cyber schooled too at this point I was I went to a school on the computer so uh I guess they also looked at it like it was a an exercise too because like now I didn't have uh PE or anything like that so you know everything just happens for a reason and I felt like uh I feel like all the cards were in the right place and everything just happened and uh Yeah, yeah. uh,
1: wrestling moments with your father, Uh, one of my biggest things, um, we were three hours away from from Pittsburgh, up here in Ridgeway, but uh, the Fullington Bus Company would always come up and take us down to the Civic Arena and this, that, and the other thing. I would paint my face up as the Road Warriors or Sting, or I'd wear my Rock and Roll Express stuff, and we'd jump on the Fullington Bus because my dad would get lost if we went 10 miles away. So we jump on the bus. Here's oh, us two riding down to Pittsburgh to like the great American bashes and stuff. Dude, dude, those are some of my greatest memories. They really are. He despises yeah. wrestling, despises it, but he oh, did, yeah. but he yeah. did it because his fat little kid wanted to go watch wrestling. So, you know, he had fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My like I said, my parents don't like wrestling and they especially don't like it because they're paramedics. So they really worry about, they worried about everything. Um, and they didn't grow up watching it. Uh, but, like, my dad would take me to IWC as a kid, you know. Um, but then it got to the point where I, he would just drop me off because he knew it was a safe environment. And it was easy for him to, you know, not, div- you know, devote a whole weekend to, or a whole evening to something he wasn't too involved in. But, but yeah, it was, it was fun. I don't, like I said, I don't really regret it. You know, I just wish it didn't really go as long as I... I did. But it's also really weird because backyard wrestling is kind of cool now like I'm seeing on the internet like GCW just announced they're doing a backyard wrestling inspired show I on the saw that. July. i I
1: legit saw that. <laughs> yeah, like it's now it was it was taboo before, right? You know that yeah. backyard wrestling well, Now, now it's YouTube. I I mean it, it's what yeah. it is. You can get anything on YouTube in uh that superstars are made there.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's really like, it's really cool. Cause like I could, you could show me any show or any poster and I can pick out at least one person I know through backyard wrestling. And it's really cool that a lot of the people that are like making waves on the indie scene are my friends from backyard wrestling. Like, it's just like we, we were doing this driving across state lines at the age of 16, 17 for free. We weren't getting paid. We were doing this because we love wrestling. And, you know, passion, you can always tell when someone's passionate about something. And passion really pays off. And it's paying off to see, like, how successful some of my friends are. And I, I can't be happier. It is, it is so bizarre. Like, one of my backyard wrestling friends are in the Bullet Club right now. Like, what? <laughs> right. Wow. Why? Wow. That the breaking in news. Course. I don't
1: know that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not going to say which one it is because I don't. You know, some people are a little bit iffy on their history, but, but yeah, it's it's so bizarre. Wow.
1: Yeah. Uh, wrestling is a family. It really is. Like, at at some point, me growing up, you know, I was born in '77, so a little bit older than you. Um, if I said I was a wrestling fan. In middle school, high school, everybody's like, oh my God, you watch that? Uh, so I had my clique that we're still clickish and uh, we're stupid. We did the same things. Like we were jackass before jackass. If if I was allowed to have a video camera, I would be uh, Steve O and I've had other friends, but that wasn't out. But we were doing <laughs> the same thing, riding sharp and car, getting pulled by cars. My. my <laughs> My mother would kill me. Uh, thank God she doesn't really listen to every podcast. But uh, she would kill me if she knew half the stuff we would did. But nonetheless. <laughs> um, so one question I have uh, from my partner, the English professor, and the other, uh, the other guy is, why, uh, why the obsession with, with fire? Is it because of the phoenix, rises from the ashes yeah. and all that? Okay, that's what I told him, but he's like, yeah, was, no, he just likes was... spitting
0: it. No, nah, it is 100%. Like, you know, I I realized I could put fire on my gear, but everyone does that. You know, I wanted more of the, I, I you know, the fire red hair. You know, I want the association that, oh, this kid is actually, like, he uses the Phoenix for inspiration rather than it just being a name. And honestly, with some of my history, uh, I couldn't be any more than a Phoenix. So I'm very glad I picked the name Phoenix and not, like, armadillo
1: (laughs) armadillo sean the armadillo uh uh, and it's going to mean more um we're going to get into this in a minute but it's going to mean more after what we talk about here in a couple seconds about the incident and the recovery and everything but let's keep it uh let's keep it happy right now um you wrestle for rise uh iwc Pro Wrestling Express Premium Championship Wrestling. Uh, let's talk about a couple of those. Um, some of your favorite matches is what I really want to know. And I know if you have a ton, but just some of your favorite workers, you know, that you had in the ring. You know, freestyle more or less.
0: Um, you know, it's really hard for me to pick any favorite matches because I'm very critical of my work. And I could say, oh, I like this match. And then I could say, yeah, but the crowd wasn't too into it. Or I could say, oh, but this the crowd was really into this one. And I'm like, eh, it hurt my ankle on that one. You know, like, I haven't had the perfect match. And I've never real. and like, there'll be times where I finish the match and I get through the curtain in the back and I go, that match was great. And then I'll watch it on YouTube and it's terrible. And <laughs> the vice versa, I think, oh, match like, sucks. And then, like, I watch it and it's like, oh, okay, wow, well, okay, I really like this. So I, it's really hard for me to pick a favorite match. Um, if I had to pick, probably my day my surprise debut at IWC, because of what that meant to me. Because IWC being my first indie company I ever went to, sitting front row at multiple events that you could still see on whenever Sword shares old footage, you could see me front row, dead center. Um, so it was always a dream to work for IWC, and I legitimately cried after my debut. Like it was, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell friends i didn't tell wrestlers that were on the show it was like i kept it 100 percent secret um i lied and said i was going to a concert that day i tagged like i checked in on facebook that i was at the venue i went above and beyond and um then there's always the 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 question is is the fans gonna care like this means a lot to me but am i going to get the reaction that i hope i get and I got a amazing reaction and ovation and it was completely overwhelming. And I've actually heard people say that that match was a sleeper match of the year. Um, which that's a huge compliment to hear that from the boys. Um, and yeah, like I legitimately, like I, I, I cried afterwards because it just meant so much to me. So I will never forget that. But then there's also like less than a mile thing. like it was really cool getting to wrestle Barbarian and Tracy Smothers and. Stuff like that. Um, my favorite opponents. Um, I really like wrestling opponents that make me um, go against the grain. You know, like if it's someone like Lee Moriarty, like he's really technical, so I have to I have to keep on my toes with that and, and keep up with him. I really like that. Um, and for someone like Atticus, you know, we we fight. And I really like that because I'm not a fighter. I'm a high flyer. If it's someone like uh, a monster in, in like the barbarian, then I really have to switch up my game and use my speed. I really like when, you know, it's it's not flashy guy versus flashy guy. Which is funny because I usually get booked in that and I'm like, oh, I hate this because it's not as fun. Like, right. Let me let me hit someone or something.
1: Right. Um we, we we call them spot fests, and uh, I'm sure you guys do too. Uh, we like them from time to time, but if it's month after month, week after week, it uh, it kind of gets stale, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Of course, and you can imagine wrestling like that every you know every weekend, doing the same routine, same type of match. Because uh, there was a time where I didn't even really have a home company; I was just traveling all over, and that's what I was doing, and it was so repetitive. It felt like I was painting by numbers. Um, So, uh, yeah, I'm happy whenever I get to go against the grain.
1: Yeah, and that IWC debut, we were in attendance, and the roof got blown off. It was unbelievable. Uh, That was my first... uh, image vision uh first time seeing you so i kind of was like to the guy next to me he's like holy shit you don't know who this is and i'm like well you know we (laughs) we know iwc and he's never been here we don't know who the hell this guy is well watch this (laughs) you jackass and i'm like oh all right (laughs) and yeah it was unbelievable um then you got partnered up with uh keith haught and dan hooven to uh take on the culmination because remy is just a bad guy
0: yes um
1: and it comes down to uh we're going to really shift gears here and then we'll get back into some personal stuff it comes down to october 6 2018 it is unbreakable and uh, I, i talked off air with you that this was the one that I had a freaking wedding to go to. Uh, somebody had my seats. Justin Plummer gave my seats away, the damn guy. Um, oh, and this is where your injury uh, came about. I I, I don't know how to, how to talk about this. I don't know uh, how much we want to go in depth about it. But can you tell us a little bit? I mean, I, I want you to let fans that don't know what's going on just uh, tell a little bit your side of the injury that honestly you remember from that night.
0: Right, right. It's not too hard to talk about. Um, so it was uh, me and Dan Hooven against Atticus and Remy uh, with uh, Keith hot handcuffed to the ring posts because they felt like they wanted to even up the odds. And Keith said, okay, he would do it. We did the match and I think I think the match ended. Yeah, like I think I got pinned, and then the fight just kept continuing to the outside. And then a table got brought out at ringside, and they—I I believe they were going to slam me through it because I remember they hit my head off the table. when I turned and I looked at the crowd and I saw Rosa Mendez sitting right there. And I'd met her a couple times. And I'm like, oh great, here's Rosa looking at me. I'm going to die. Like they're going to slam me through this table. Um, but then like I flat back, and then. Uh, I remember we laid Atticus down on it, and I was at the, on the top rope, and the 450 slash is my finish. It's something that I've been doing since I was on the trampoline, something that I've never really messed up. Um, there's times where I've kind of, like, overshot. That's when a ring has been broken or something like that, but it is my bread and butter. I feel so comfortable doing that. And I remember standing on the uh, turnbuckle. I wasn't even standing on the ropes, which it played a huge factor into what happened. Um, I remember putting my hands behind my head, getting ready to jump and then the next thing i know i'm on the floor surrounded by everybody not knowing what happened uh it was an instant you know jump from a to b there was no like sleeping no dreaming or anything like that um very confused about what was going on i remember i couldn't hear anything um, out of my left ear that was the first concern and my head was killing me um I kept asking what, what happened and they were telling me that I fell, I hit my head, but I wasn't really comprehending it. And then I remember uh, vomiting blood and that's when I was like, Oh, I'm really hurt. Um, and then, you know, they're asking me, is my neck hurt? Does, does this hurt? Yada, yada, yada. And then it seemed like two minutes later, the paramedics were there and putting me on a, on a, uh, not a gurney, but a uh, like a board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they first put me on a board They put me um you know, a neck brace and everything like that and I was like, Wow, I am really hurt But like it didn't really like sink in. Like I knew I was hurt and I knew I was in pain. But I it didn't really hit me that I was like, Oh, I have to leave, I'm in so much pain. Like it just nothing was making sense. Um so they put me on the stretcher and I remember my arms went limp, um, and I was like, Oh, this is not good. Um And then they started stretching me. And I remember it was also really quiet, too. Despite being deaf and, like, I couldn't hear out of my left ear, it was super quiet. And um, I was like, this is weird. And uh, they started stretching me away. And I remember thinking, like, that's when it really hit me. Like, I'm really hurt. I have to leave. The show has stopped because of me. So I was thinking, like, okay, do I do the thumbs up that every athlete does when they're being stretched away? And then I was, like, internally, I was like, nah, that's so lame. I'm too cool for that. So I did, like, the rock on symbol, like the index finger and the thinky. But I like, yeah, that's more my style. So I did that, and the crowd erupted, um, which is good because I knew a lot of I, – I have now been told that a lot of people backstage had no idea what happened. They knew I was hurt, and the referees were cleaning up all the blood. And whenever the crowd erupted, that let everyone know that I was okay. Um, so they put me in an ambulance, and my mom was there, and my, my my dad was there. My dad was at my merch table, and my mom was in the crowd with my aunt and uncle and my sister. And uh, <laughs> Andrew Pallas told me that uh, my dad just kind of, like, walked backstage, like, on his own accord. Like, he didn't ask anyone. He just casually walked wow. backstage. And they were kind of like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> but he was like, hey, guys, I just want to let you know, um, he hit his head. He's going to be okay. A little bit of concussion, but uh, they don't think his neck's broken or anything like that. So, yeah, just uh, be safe tonight. And they were like, oh, okay, I guess that's his dad. Cool. And they were like, well, I was really glad. they were really glad that he did that, which I just think is funny. He's just like, okay, I have to go backstage now because, you know, he is a paramedic. And he, that is, like, his instinct. But uh, I was in the ambulance, and my mom didn't know what was real and what was part of the show. And she thought the whole thing was part of the show. And, oh, uh, man, that I was sucks. On the, on, yeah, I was on the stretcher. I had two IVs in both arms, had a neck brace. I couldn't move, and we make eye contact. And she's like, is this for real? And I was like, I have no idea what's going on. And then she, she left. Um, I think the medics told her she couldn't be in the in the truck, but then she started walking to the car, and then she says she heard the helicopter, and she said that's when it hit her because once again she's a paramedic too, and she knows the helicopter is a life or death situation. Um, so they uh, ended up taking me with the lights and siren on, and I know from being a child of medics that if a ambulance ever leaves the scene of an accident with the lights and siren on, it's, once again, a very serious issue. So I was like, that's not good. I'm hurt. And then, um, the next thing I know, like, we stopped, and I was like, there's no way we're at the hospital or anything like that, because, like, knowing where we were and living in Pittsburgh my whole life, I'm like, there's no way we're at any hospital. And it got really cold. They took me out, and they loaded me into a helicopter. And I was like, oh, this is really bad. Um, then I want to say maybe threw up in the helicopter and it seemed like we were in the air for about a minute and that may have been because I was drifting in and out of consciousness. That may have been because we were flying so fast. I don't know, but next thing I know we're at the hospital. There's a team of people that took me off the stretcher, put me on uh, the thing to get an MRI. Um, they threatened, they were like, okay, we have to cut off your, your trunks. Cause while I was at the floor, uh, my friends took off my boots and everything like that because they would, would have cut them off. But I freaked out. I was like, no, you're not cutting off my trunks. They're too expensive. I'll strip right now. They're like, oh, well, if you could take them off, take them off. <laughs> like, I was oh too worried God. about my like, trunks. Like, <laughs> like, I didn't notice the severity of anything. It's like, you're not cutting these. Um. So they gave me the MRI. I ended up throwing up after that, which that actually really scared me because I was still, like, strapped down. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to choke on my vomit. Um. And then I was out of there and back into my room, and my family was there already. And I remember it was just the lights were so bright. The headache was terrible. And they asked me, um, excuse me, to God, <laughs> Long day. Um, I, uh, trust me, me I, I know. Uh, That's how I was feeling. And I remember thinking, like, this is the worst pain I've ever been in in my entire life. And I need to remember this moment because there's been multiple times when people have asked me, how much did this tattoo hurt? Or how did this feel? And I needed to remember specifically to look back and think that was the worst pain I've ever been in because I have such a high pain tolerance. You know, I know pain's going to leave the body eventually, but, and and I can fight through anything, but like that particular moment, I was like, this is it. Like this is, this is a 20 on a scale of 10. Um, and then the doctor came in and told me, he told me that I broke my skull and, uh, I had a, a brain bleed and I didn't believe him. Um, they also said that I had a slight concussion and I felt like, yeah, I was in the worst pain I've ever been in, but not broken skull level of pain, not bleeding brain pain, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. And then I, my immediate thought was, I need to come up with a way because I was booked on Black Diamond the next day, uh, Sunday. I was like, okay, I'm probably not gonna be cleared the rest of tomorrow. What can I do to still be on the show? Little did I know that I'd be in the hospital for six days. Um, but they moved me to my room. And I was like, wow, I actually have to stay at the hospital. I I'd never had to do that before. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> like, it does suck. Yes, it, it does. Um, yeah, so I was in the hospital for about six days. I couldn't sit up without the whole room spinning or anything like that. Um, I was leaking spinal fluid from my ear. So they had to get a put a catheter in my spine, and they gave me like eight injections so I wouldn't feel it. And, brother, it felt like they were putting a tank in my spine. It was the most pain I've ever experienced while numbed. It was so painful.
1: Oh, my God. But
0: um, it was right in the lower, lower spine, and I had to sleep at a 45-degree angle to pull the, the spinal fluid down to the catheter, um, and if that didn't work, I would have needed brain surgery because essentially I had an open canal surgery to the brain. So thankfully I avoided that. Um, and then once the uh, catheter got removed, they wanted to see – I was supposed to transfer to another hospital um, to do inpatient physical therapy for the concussion because my balance was all thrown off. But uh, I was making incredible improvements. Uh, I ended up not needing it at all. So once the catheter got pulled and I didn't need that second hospital, I was good to go home. And uh, went home, tried to sleep, because my sleep schedule was all thrown off. Couldn't sleep. So the first thing I did was I got into the wrestling ring. For real? Because, uh, yeah, I got into the IWC practice ring. I, I couldn't walk. I was not assistant. I felt like I was on a pirate ship. Uh, I still had an incredible headache. Everything was, you know, wishy-washy. But uh, I wanted to know that I could still do it. I didn't want to be afraid of the wrestling ring. And uh, I did it. And I'm very glad that I did. And I actually wanted to, like, start, you know, training. I wanted to start doing somersaults and stuff like that. And it was hard to do that, not to do that. But, yeah, I uh, got into the ring, did all I had to do, left, rested a bit. And then the next day went to Cooper's Rock, West Virginia, which is like a state forest, which is something my family does every year. Didn't really rest that day. Basically, didn't rest as much as I should have because I am uh, a busy guy. But, uh, yeah, this was, uh, this was in October. Thought I'd be in the hospital for a year. I was only in it for six days.
1: You're freaking ballsy to get, uh, there's there's no other way of saying it, to get right back in the ring. I mean, injuries are injuries are injuries, but you're, brain was damn near out of your head and that's i I hate to say it like that and you just the first thing you want to do is get into well your first thought was how the hell can i get the black diamond
0: right right and then like throughout the week it was like okay how can i how can i pay for these bills and i was thinking of ideas for my t-shirt design and stuff like that because i'm a creative guy and having that outlet every weekend of wrestling you know i get to express that so not having that outlet when I was in the hospital, it was constantly my 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 thoughts were moving how can i how can I come back better? How can I come back different that type of thing and that's when I came up with the idea to use my x-ray as my t shirt design like this is kind of cool like take a negative and turn into a positive and a unique experience um and a lot of people like that shirt, so that's pretty cool,
1: yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, before we get to the recovery and the outpouring from the fans, um, just just talk a little bit about that, because, Sean, they love you. They really do. Uh, oh, my God. I, I tagged you and so, stuff because we talked about it on Can Crushers, but everybody, just because I tagged you, it blew up, and I'm like, oh, damn, I, didn't, I just wanted to tell you, hey, dude, I, I, I love you, and I'm thinking about you. And then I looked at your post, and I don't know, you blew up Facebook.
0: Yeah, um, so when I first got hurt the first night, it was Saturday night, the 6th, I, my family left at about 1 a.m., and um, I guess my sister and my mother were checking Facebook and stuff like that throughout my time there while they were there, and saw that people were tagging me and stuff like that, and they, my sister figured that she would take my phone, my cell phone, and reply to any messages I got in any... Posts I got, um, just to let them know that I'm okay, which I'm very thankful she did that. Uh, cause God forbid if it was one of my friends in my situation, I would have been going crazy not knowing how my friend was doing. So I'm very glad she did that. But then I woke up Sunday morning and I couldn't do anything. Like I'm always on my phone, always, you know, social media and I'm like, this sucks. What do I do? So by the time they went to the hospital, it was about like 1 p.m., uh, I looked at my Facebook and it was exploded. And that's just Facebook. That's not including text messages. It's not including phone calls. It's not including Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. But just Facebook had like 300 comments and stuff like that. And I bawled my eyes out. Like, I, I just, I, the only time I ever cried during, like, the whole stay was seeing how much love I got. And then, like, I would think to myself, like, you big baby, why are you crying? Like, you're a weirdo crying in the hospital because people care about you fuck it up and then I would stop crying and I would go to you know reply and I couldn't do it I'd start crying again so it like legitimately it took me like 3 days to even acknowledge anyone like it was just so heartwarming um
1: but that's how much that's how much you've touched everybody you know uh your your little bit of time in IWC that's where I know you but like I said you have rise and you have all these other ones that I'm going to bring out Kayla Thompson. Uh, I was following her just to get most of your updates because I knew she was going to say everything that was going on with you. Yeah.
0: yeah she, um, my, uh, my significant other at the time was also giving updates like, uh, on Instagram and stuff like that. So then like that, cause like, I also like, I'm also a very private guy. Um, I feel like there's a line that needs to be, you know, kind of drawn in between a wrestler and fan, you know, just to, for the, you know, keep the privacy of my family and stuff like that. And also to keep the illusion alive, because, you know, if we found out the undertaker was really working a nine to five at Walmart, he wouldn't be as cool. That would suck.
1: That would really suck. I agree. No, I I completely agree. It's back to the storylines. I
0: completely agree with you. So, um, like, even a lot of people at the time didn't even know I had a significant other. That's so much privacy. You know, I just, I'm a private guy. But uh, she was updating, like, friends, and, like, some fans found her Instagram and, you know, was kind of, like, she was like, oh, you know, he's up now talking. You know, and then, like, significant others of other wrestlers, like, they passed everything through that. But, yeah, um, that's another story for another day and why we're not together. <laughs> it has something to do with that. <laughs> Touche. Um, yeah.
1: so, so before we talk about your recovery, what's your favorite ice cream?
0: <laughs> My favorite ice cream, uh, definitely cookies and cream. I am a huge fan of Oreos. I actually, do you remember those cereal, that cereal from the nineties? I do, I do. I love them. Okay, okay not all the people do. Um, they were only active from like ninety seven to two thousand seven, and then they they deactivated. You know, they they pulled them from the shelves. And I really loved them, and I was going crazy for them, and started a Facebook group bring back Oreos and love them. And one day I was bored and I was like tweeting like random people to try and bring them back. Like Barack Obama, George Bush, oh Ashton Cookley, and literally, literally anybody I could think of, I was bothering to bring back Oreos just so they can be like, who the hell is this? What is he tweeting me Oreo O's for? Like, I, I think I tweeted like Elton John and be like, Oh, I love goodbye yellow brick road, but not as much as I love Oreos please retweet to bring them back. Like it was bizarre, but I do things to make myself laugh. And all my friends know that I love the Oreo, but they actually bought a box from South Korea and the shipping was like $30 just so when I was in town, like we could eat them and they were just as good as I experienced. Um, and then they brought them back and it like literally fans give me all boxes of Oreo. Like that is it, it. They don't need, like I've told them they don't need to, but it was like, it's such a good feeling to be like, that's what I'm known for, is the Oreos, and it's always nice to have a snack on the way home from a show, but uh, I'm not an Oreo fan. I don't like the cookies, but I like, you know, the flavor. I like cookies and cream, ice cream. I like cookies and cream, milkshakes, uh, stuff like that, so definitely cookies and cream, ice cream. What about you?
1: Uh, I'm generic. I really just like strawberry. I, I, I was going to talk about cereal. I am a big cereal buff. Like... I yeah. I, don't, I don't want bran flakes. I don't want Wheaties. I am sugar to the max cereal. Uh, all time favorite cereal is Fruity Pebbles, but they just made okay. a, they just made a Pop-Tart cereal. Do you like the Pop-Tarts? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: No, I never really got into Pop-Tarts.
1: Okay, well, don't try the Pop-Tart cereal. It's got a waxy, sugary <laughs> taste. I had one this morning. First of all, they're hard, so they have to soak yeah. so damn long. And then if you bite too early, they rip the roof of your mouth off. They're shitty. Yeah. They're, they're horrible.
0: So, so here's the thing: I I eat cereal like snacks. Like I'm not like a huge huge junk food eater. Like I'm not a big potato chip guy or, or donuts. But like I like cereal and I eat it dry as like a you know afternoon snack because I'm a psychopath clearly. So like I like Oreos dry. I like uh, Frosted Flakes dry. I like um, Lucky Charms dry so to hear that you know like you need milk for this uh for this um what are they called i just pop-tarts it's a pop-tart cereal yeah yeah so to hear that you need milk for that i probably would not enjoy them at all
1: (laughs) i didn't eat them dry yet because i'm telling you there's it's a it's a wax almost it's a sugary wax on them and like i said i like straight up sugar cereals but uh i don't know that my son wanted to try them, so I had to do them first because dad yeah. is is the fat forty two year old that eats cereal for a living. So, <laughs> nonetheless, all right, let's let's get on uh, another random question coming later. But uh, recovery.
0: how? Also, real Quick Colin, in. Uh, he actually has like a uh, like a cereal store in New York that I really want to go to. Really? Yeah, I, th- I think I think he still does. Yeah, it, I forget what it's called. But... We
1: we need to make a road Pop trip rock.
0: then. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Pop Rock is what it's called. And it's like all these different cereals. And yeah, I've really been wanting to check it out.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe. We, sorry, we, no, that's fine. Maybe we need to get together and uh, go talent scouting and uh, stop up there in New York and get some cereal.
0: Absolutely. All
1: right. So, how's your recovery coming along? Let everybody know about that.
0: Uh it's it's going good. I feel good. Um doing physical therapy and stuff like that for the concussion. Uh and I, like I improved so quickly. Like I couldn't walk without, you know, I had to t- constantly touch like a wall to walk down the hallway. And I had to walk slowly. Now I'm going on walks on nice days, you know, by myself walking my dog. Um the only real issue is I have a little bit of vertigo still. Um mainly like when turning my head too quickly or like, like for example, if we hit a pothole in a car and like, you know, it kind of rattles my brain, you know, I feel, I feel it really. Um, but other than that and the, uh, constant, you know, the obviously being deaf in the left ear, that'll never come back. Um, that's the biggest issue is being deaf in the left ear. That's the biggest change. But, um, the little bit of vertigo is pretty much all I have left and I'll get like a headache every now and then, but it's not even that bad, you know? So I feel good. I feel really good. I I feel so good that it sucks sitting on the sidelines at shows that I'm just hanging out at now. Because, like, I never really missed any shows. I would still, like, go hang out backstage just to, because that's what I live for. But it was easy to be like, yeah, I still don't feel good. You know, it's a good thing I'm not wrestling. But now I feel so good that it's, like, it hurts to be like, I can't wait to do this, and I can't do this right now, and this sucks. You know, right? If, if I didn't feel this good, it'd be easy to swallow. But so that's good, right?
1: <laughs> but that's good, yeah. But so you're ready. this is a Horrible analogy, but you're ready to run a marathon right now. But they're just saying no. So I I, I know this is this is a tough question, and I know you still have uh, more to do, but. Timetable? Has any doctor given you a timetable to say, "Hey, October six, two thousand nineteen, you can come back and kick Atticus' ass"?
0: No. Um, the, so the good news is, um, well, the the, the the doctor that scared me the most was the concussion doctor because I knew a broken bone can heal. I knew my brain stopped bleeding when I was in the hospital. But concussions are scary, and we don't know how they're going to be. So if there ever was a doctor that would say, you're not wrestling ever again, it was the concussion doctor. So when I went and saw the doctor, I did an impact test, and he was so happy with it, he said that he would clear me within a month if it wasn't for the other thing. So the concussion isn't that bad. It's just the remaining vertigo now. So now it's like, I'll get cleared by one doctor, and there's still, like, four more doctors that I need to go like get clear down. But like, it seems like I'm, I'm so close to the tail end. It's, it's pretty good, but like nobody can really give me a, an estimated time. Um, it's really, it, and also like, even if they told me like I could wrestle next month, I would probably really play it by ear. No pun intended. I would oh, like, that was bad. <laughs> Sorry. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't intentional. Um, if, uh, if I'm still feeling dizzy, you know, and I'm back, you know, or I said I'm coming back tomorrow and I'm still so dizzy, you know, that might not be good, you know. Like, I want to feel 100% before I come back, you know.
1: Right. Uh, that was my next question. You know, you get cleared. Let's say tomorrow you get cleared. You have a doctor's appointment. And Dr. Baker, hint, hint, says, uh, <laughs> you can you can wrestle this Saturday. Do you take a month off and get back in the ring and? beat up on Hooven or, you know, go to IWC's practice facility and get your hone back to where you want it?
0: It all depends on how I'm feeling. Like, I've been going to some practices here and there, doing some warm-up drills and stuff like that, but um, it really just depends on how I'm feeling. And if I'm still feeling like this tomorrow, no, definitely not. So that's why I haven't, you know, announced anything or even given a hint at when I think i would be back because I don't know you know
1: right it, it's very it, it's a very touchy subject and uh, everybody everybody wants to know everybody's always in your corner that was a pun um, but the big news why we're here 50 uh, some minutes into this and thank you uh, I, I'm loving all of it. Um, the big news why we're here is May 10th in Lamont furnace rises from the ashes is coming up and it is a benefit show. For you, um, everything from that night is going to go to help uh, clear some of the ways, clear some of your stress on the back end, uh, some of your expenses. Some of the names have been announced, folks. Just to give you some, if you want to see the whole list, go to the website. But Andrew Palace, Jinx, Beastman, Chris Larusso, uh, Gory, Keith Hott, Lee Moriarty, and all the tickets are twenty bucks. Damn it, you can get yeah. in for twenty bucks.
0: So yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, it's still super mind blowing to me. Like, so the biggest issue is now that I'm deaf in my left ear, I'm 28 years old. I have my whole life ahead of me. You know, if I continue to, to, if I learn from my mistake and, and be safer, uh, I should, you know, have a good life ahead of me. Um, going 27 years with perfect hearing and then waking up from an accident and having that gone, it's a huge, huge difference, huge change. Like, 100% 100% deafness in my left ear. It's not even like it sounds like I'm underwater. There's nothing. It's like trying to hear with your hand. No sound goes into my left ear at all. So I went and saw a ear doctor. They recommend recommended me cross-aids, which they're going to put their two hearing aids. The one in my deaf ear is going to be a small microphone, and it's going to play the sound in my good ear. And that will make it a lot easier to go to a restaurant with my family uh, to not have to worry about which side of my friend am I walking and talking to. I will be able to, to hear on my left side. Um, that being said, it is not a life or death situation so it is not really covered by insurance and I'm so young compared to the people that these ear doctors normally see, older end people and stuff like that that they want me to get the highest end because it will have the most Benefit to my life. It's going to be about five thousand dollars. Wow! I don't have five thousand dollars lying around. I don't even have it floating around. I if you were to put a gun to my head and say get five dollars in a week, I couldn't do it. I don't. I. I, I, Five five thousand. I said five thousand dollars, right? Yeah. I said five dollars. Sorry, you said five dollars, but that's all right. Thank God I have an assistant in the room with me. Um, yes, I couldn't get $5,000 within a week. Like, it's a lot of money that I wasn't prepared for. So I was um, I was presented this opportunity to do this, and I initially said no because I felt like um, if, if they did this for me, they would have to do it for everyone. And the guys that thought about cancer running the show are doing this for me because I've known them since I was 13, and I've always been boys with them. And I would have felt bad if someone else got hurt and expected this treatment. But maybe the wrestlers didn't know them, so they wouldn't feel, you know, you know, eh, you know it's just a weird situation. I just didn't want, you know, I didn't want to put them in that in a position. So I initially said no, and then like they just kept crying and crying. Even, like, when I first got hurt, I didn't want to go fund me. But my sister made me one behind my back. Like, I, I just felt like this is my mistake, my accident. And to ask anyone for help is super selfish of me. Um, so I was super against the GoFundMe. That being said, she made one behind my back and it spread around. And it actually really helped me out, you know, paying some, some cell phone bills and stuff like that. Um, I don't I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have that. That really helped me out. Because I also couldn't work in my Clark Kent job um, right. with this injury. And I'm... And I'm still on light duty. And I specifically had a Clark Kent job, so I could play Superman on the weekend. And if I ever got hurt playing Superman, at least I had Clark Kent. This was the first time in Pittsburgh wrestling history that um, a wrestler got hurt and could not work their other job. And uh, couldn't work it for about three to four months. I don't remember the exact time. And uh, that hurt a lot. Because now I wasn't making money wrestling. Wasn't really making money uh, merch. And now I didn't have an income. So this GoFundMe really helped. Um so I was really against that and uh really against the thing. But then uh I talked to G Raver and uh he told me he actually broke his skull too a while ago and they did a uh a uh, another company back then in his area did a benefit show for him to really help him out and uh it really put it in the perspective that, you know, this is a brotherhood and I I'm not getting any special treatment, you know, like and he told me, you know, I wrestle on so many benefit shows that it's only fair to receive some help every now and then. And really, really cannot thank him enough for giving me an eye-opening conversation on the way back home from Chicago. So that's where I was like, you know what, if they want to do this, yes, because I would want to help my friends too. So if we're doing this to pay for my hearing aids and any other um, lost wages or uh, health insurance, thankfully I have health insurance. So the bills weren't too much. They were manageable. But uh, I know, like, if you don't have health insurance, a ride in an ambulance alone is like 500 bucks. Then you had the helicopter. Then you had the hospital. Then you had all the medicine they gave me, et cetera, et cetera. So thank God I had health insurance. Right? Um, yeah, so super thankful. But, like, this whole show is just super mind-blowing. The, the fact that anybody wants to, to book this show means the world to me. The fact that we have an overwhelming react, like response from the wrestlers, my friends, that are willing to donate their time for this, it chokes me up. Like it is something that I never wanted to experience, but the love that I feel is insane, and everybody should feel the love that I feel without this accident. You know, like if you have if you had a chance to feel this ecstasy, this love, and be safe, everyone should do it because it is insane. And we're actually like having to turn wrestlers away now because of the overwhelming reaction and reply. And I, I, I can't thank my mother enough for for raising me the way she did, to treat everyone with respect and treat everyone with kindness and 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 understanding. You know, they may be going through stuff and go out of my way because I genuinely care about other people. And apparently, it's uh less an impact on on some of my friends. And um then you take in the aspect of like the fans that are willing to come see this show. It's just so mind blowing. I, like I said, I never wanted to be in this situation. Um, but it's insane that this is happening to me. I never wanted to be the guy. I never envisioned my guy cutting a promo talking about my injury and why I can't wrestle. And I did. And it happened. And now we're doing a show because of it. And it's just, it's just so mind-blowing. I know at this show I'm going to be bawling my eyes out the entire time.
1: <laughs> that That's awesome. I was just going to ask that. I'm like, are we going to get tears at this show? But it's also it's the wrestlers. You know, you guys are a fraternity. Uh, that's no pun intended. Yeah. I, that just came out. You guys are a fraternity um, that have just bonded together. But I'm going to step back and be the voice of the fans. It's going to be sold out. If it's not already i've talking I've talked to Matt a couple times and he's like, "Do you guys need any more this it's getting really damn close uh, I'm like I'm good I'm good you know he's like this is going over amazingly I'm like, well, great because you guys another horror. this must just be a pun show. um you guys literally bust your asses to keep people like me yep. and my boys." entertained for three to four hours, and we're sore because our asses are sore. You guys are sore because you're going through tables, for the love of God.
0: Um, Or not going through them, which is resulting in much worse injuries. (laughs) Right? Uh, Sorry.
1: Um, So we, this is, as much as we can say, you know, merch and everything, this is just us saying, Sean, thank you. Thank you for Literally putting your life on the line for us.
0: Right. Well, I, I'm. I you're welcome. And uh, it's really weird to hear that because uh, when I would go to WrestleCon before I got into the business, I would go around and thank every wrestler for what it is for the business because I genuinely appreciated it. Um, whether it be you know someone like Hulk Hogan or someone like I don't want to name any names because I don't want you to think I'm. I'm talking crap you know someone that's not really significant you know like I appreciate every bump they took and so to, to hear that it's just so bizarre you know because I'm still that 13 year old kid sitting front row at IWC you know it's just like it's so bizarre and like to to help out with, with this show and like suggest matches and like a lot of these matches have never happened before and like a, some of these guys have never wrestled in the area before so I hope it helps them out and then like my one buddy is a photographer. He's going to be coming. He's never done a wrestling show, so hopefully he gets some more work. I hope everyone can benefit from this. That's my goal. Like, I don't want this to be a show where I'm the sole beneficiary. Like, I want people to leave the show and think, wow, that was great. Like, I met this person. I met this person. I sold this or whatever. And, like, I'm, like, super pushing, like, all the wrestlers to bring their merch because, they're like I said, they're donating their time. They're uh, not getting paid for this. Um, I am working into getting them food for backstage. So, so that's the least I could do. Um, But I want them to sell merch. you know, I want them to make money. So I I hope that people can support the individual wrestlers too. Um, Because I think, you know, I I hope they get paid. Um, But it's just, it's so insane. And it's getting close. Like, I can't believe how close we are. Uh, It's, I know I'm going to be super stressed, even though I don't really have any responsibilities, <laughs> even though I'm not technically booking the show. Like I wanted to go smooth and, uh, there's going to be like 80 people backstage and the backstage area is super small. I don't know how that we're going to fit this and we're probably going to have to turn away. Like other wrestlers just coming to hang out just because of based on how small the locker room is, it's going to be insane. And I was also trying to get like some special guests at the show. Um, I guess I can talk about it because it's not happening. Uh, I was working on getting Code Orange, Grammy nominated Code Orange to play at the show. Damn. buddies with them. Yeah, just because like, I wanted this to be like a show that, because it's not technically a Rise show, but I wanted this to be like different. I wanted this to be fun and feel different. And like, I'm still trying to push back the cutoff time. Like, I think the show has to end at 11. I'm trying to get a back to eleven thirty twelve. You know, just not necessarily the show ending then, but, you know, we own the building. So I don't right. want anyone to feel like they have to rush any matches or anything like that, you know? Like, I want, I want this to be a party. I'm trying to get Kaiju big battle to have a match, you know, big Kaiju monsters on the show. Like, I'm just trying to think outside of the box for this, so. So you it want this be to fun. be
1: a freaking rock show, more or less, a wrestling rock oh, show.
0: Yeah. If I could, if I had the fun, well, even though, like, there's no fun, if I could have my way. This would be an all-night thing. This would go 9 o'clock at night to, like, 6 a.m. My with God. different stuff going on. Like, it's never been done before. No. But, like, this is the time to do it. This is the time to take experience. Like, we could have wrestling from, like, 9 to 11 and then have, like, a concert at 11 to 3 and then have, like, video games on the big screen from, like, 3 to <sighs> 5. Like, crazy stuff. Like, that would be so much fun. of oh, fun. It's a Friday. Like, let's do it. Fire pro
1: Fire pro wrestling up on the screen?
0: Yes, I'm in. Whoa, yeah. That'd be so cool. And like nobody would have to be obligated to stay that whole time. But you know, like let's 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 do something different. But um obviously not all that stuff is happening, but that's something my mind has been going up until this. It's like, what can we do different? What can we do to give everyone a good show? What can we do to make everyone feel like they're happy with their money that they spent? And what can we do to make the wrestlers feel like they benefited from this too? Which is, once again, too much stuff that I like. I should just be sitting back and you know thankful for everything. But like I said, I need to get this creativity out of me. So <laughs> Right.
1: All right, let, let's switch gears. Guys, again, that's May 10th. Uh, I'll talk more about it later. May 10th, it's on all my uh, podcasts and everything. Uh, Stop Out Cancer, pgh.com. Again, go to the website and you'll sure. be able to see it. All right, let's let's shift gears a couple more minutes.
0: Oh, yeah. I think it's stomp out. Is it stomp out PGH on Twitter? Oh yeah, it is. I think yeah, yeah. That's what's so there. Okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> no,
1: that's all right. I'll, I'll tag everything. Um, all right. I I always end this way. Uh, I have two questions. I'll ask them individually. Okay. I want I want you to past or present your all time. Uh, who you want to fight, you know, in a match. Uh, Who your favorite <sighs> opponent would be? Not, uh, your, not your favorite. God, I can't even... It's getting to be 9.30. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Dream match? Yeah, thank you. Jesus. Dream match. Who would be against any stipulation and
0: where? I got one of my dream matches already at the second Stomp Out Cancer show when I got to wrestle Super die. who was my favorite wrestler when I was 13 years old. I had a little mask made. He was my guy. He was the high flyer guy that I really gravitated to. To this day, my email address pays homage to his name, um, which I then learned was probably not the most professional email. (laughs) (laughs) Nor nor should a 13-year-old have any type of, you know, what this is. I don't want to give all my email on the air, but, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, I got to have that match so that's insane and I actually really like that match to answer that question from before I really like that match um, didn't go the way I like, planned I would have liked to have won but he's a much better wrestler than me and he's stronger than me so he got me that time but I would love a rematch down the line uh, as far as match that I never got uh, Paul London is one he was my favorite in WWE and when he was in there and now we're good friends I was actually trying to get him Onto the show, but he's currently taking a break from pro wrestling. Um, but he would have done it had he not. Um, I would love to wrestle Matt Cross once again somebody Played uh, on a video game, a backyard wrestling game, and he's a good friend of mine too. We ended up befriending each other um, watching uh, Danzig at Riot Fest 2013. And another story for another day. I almost died at a concert at Riot Fest. Matt Cross was there. Uh, I got trampled on and went unconscious. But like I said. Death can't kill me. I'm unbreakable.
1: Um, uh, yeah, I've known that for a while. Another pun.
0: No. Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, the shirt says unbreakable uh, because the show I got hurt at was unbreakable. But, uh, yeah, I broke my skull. And a lot of people are like, oh, you're not unbreakable. You broke your skull. But the way I look at it is, like, my passion never broke. My love for professional wrestling never broke. My spirit never broke. If anything, it got stronger. So even though my flesh and blood and bones break, my passion can't and all that, so that's where that comes from. But uh Paul London, Matt Cross and uh you know, it really comes down to wrestling a lot of my friends. Um, which I know some guys say, Oh, you're not gonna learn if you if you want to wrestle the WWE champion but you know, really wanna wrestle my friends. I got into pro wrestling to have fun, travel the world and make money. As long as I can do that I'm having fun and loving life.
1: Nice, uh, I would agree. Who do you want to see you Who do I want to see you wrestle? Um, uh, honestly, I would love, uh, Lagger's on his way out, but I think you and Jushin would put on an amazing match. I've always thought you guys, uh, going against each other, I, I see a lot of, like, the Japanese style in you. I don't know if you do, yeah, but. That's, from, that's from Yeah. Are you familiar with Ayabusa? Yeah, I heard. I, yeah, oh god. Uh, go back and listen to the last uh, Can Crusher Spotlight that we had with Hentai. If I didn't hear of Hayabusa, he's told me enough about him that yeah.
0: <laughs> I actually do two moves specifically because of Hayabusa: um, the Falcon Arrow Suplex and my Ashes to Ashes, which is a somersault standing moonsault. And like I've been doing that since I was on the trampoline when I was thirteen. But, yeah, yeah, me and Jushin Liger, I never thought of that being a match that I would ever hear anybody want to see. That's pretty cool. So I appreciate that. I'll try and pull some strings and make that happen.
1: You got, like, a couple months. So, first of all, you have to get your ass healthy and then get a hold of him right. before he retires. Uh, right. You've been in the business for a bit, but you've had an extended uh, bit of business. Would you tell anybody that is just graduating from IWC or any of the other wrestling schools that comes up and wants a little bit of knowledge, and you want to say, hey, kid, this.
0: Um, Well, it's funny because during the injury, um, well, actually before the injury, I was going to, like, all the IWC practices and all the RISE practices, really getting myself in gear, really motivated. Then the injury happened, and that kind of sucked. But uh, it was, I love helping the kids and it's really weird to call anybody a kid considering I've only been in this for three years and I'm not much older than them, but like, I love helping them out and I love help coaching. Um, and I love giving advice and it's really weird to, to say that because it, it like makes me uncomfortable. It's like, do you know who I am? Like I'm known for being an idiot. Like you really <laughs> want to take advice from me. But uh, the advice I give everyone is just be a good dude. Like, it's not hard. And it's not hard being nice. Um, befriend people. Go out of your way to befriend people. When I before I was in the business, technically, like I'd known Facade for years. He needed a ride to a show. I had no business going, but he was like, Can you help me out? And I was like, Yeah, man. So I drove him down to West Virginia and you know, we bonded more and I did that a couple times and like now like he looks out for me. He's like, Hey, I have a show in Tennessee. Do you I need a tag partner? Are you good? And I'm like, Hell yeah, man, I'll do this. You know, so, um, it, you know, it really helps you out. Like, even as far as, like, one, everyone should just be nice to each other. The world would be a better place. Thank you. But for a selfish reason, for a selfish reason, if you're nice and, like, not necessarily kiss ass, but if you're just, like, a nice guy and helping out the vets or the, the boys, they're going to scratch your back down the line. And I'm more likely to do that with one of the kids, you know. Like, if somebody, if, if, if I need help, if I'm in a jam, if I'm like, hey, guys, I need a ride, and someone helps me out. I'm more likely to return the favor to them than I am to go to someone that I've never, you know, associated myself with. Um, that's the advice I give everyone. And um, I know once we end this interview, I'm going to be like, crap, I should have said this. Um, so, Also advice, if you ever want to ask me anything, shoot me a message. I will reply. I, will, I have time for everyone in this world. Um, and it's probably, uh, it's a blessing and a burden. Uh, cause I try to reply to everyone. I may may not be able to do it right away, but like, it's kinda hard, uh, cause then like some people think like, oh, we're like dating now. I'm like, girl, I just met you this show. I don't even know you and have some crazy fans based on how nice I am. But, uh, that happens. Uh, but if you are not crazy and you wanna learn more about the business, please shoot me a message. Shoot someone else a message. Don't be afraid to ask so you can learn. But, I'm always available to chat with anyone. And perfect segue for
1: that, here on Can Crushers, is Sean's now going to give you all his social media sites so you
0: can bother him. <laughs> uh, my social media is pretty much the same everywhere. It is X Sean X Phoenix X before Sean X before Phoenix. That is on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. AOL Instant Messenger, MySpace, which those previous two are no longer active, but that shows you how far back this goes. Um, my Facebook is really close to the five thousand friend limit, so if you could give me a like at uh, Real Sean Phoenix, um, and then you could even message my uh, X Sean X Phoenix personal page. Um, but since there's a five thousand friend limit, I can't really add any. Like I'm at like four thousand nine hundred something, so I'm trying to leave it open for like future promoters and stuff like that. So I really can't be adding everyone, but if you shoot that page a like and then message my personal page, I will get back to you for sure. Nice.
1: Sean, uh, this has been amazing. Thank you for spending a little over an hour with us, uh, talking ice cream, cereal, uh, injuries, uh, getting your pants cut off almost. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Um, this has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to uh, hook up with you on May tenth at the the benefit and uh, just hang out some more.
0: Thank you. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be really busy that day because I'm sure I'm gonna be pulled like all over because I have like family that's gonna be there. I have friends that like haven't like I have people that don't even like wrestling that are gonna want to go to the show just because of what it is. So I would like to pre-apologize to everyone if I don't spend enough time with you. I think I'm probably going to stay to that show until about like 3 a.m. just trying to talk to everyone. Because I also try to talk to all my fans too. Um, if I ever have a line, like I'm going to talk to everyone and I'm going to give everyone a hug. Like I'm just, that's who I am. Like I will, I always have time for everyone. Um, and if I don't have time that night, I will tell you to message me on on Facebook so we can chat if you didn't get the chance to talk to me. That's just who I am. So I would like to apologize ahead of time. If I don't get the time, you know, time to sit down and talk with you, I'm going to be pretty busy that show. But uh, please say hi, all of you.
1: (laughs) All right, John, two weeks away. Uh, This is going to be posted on April 26th. So two weeks away in Lamont Furnace. Stop by. Uh, Tickets are getting scarce, so hurry up and get online and order them.
0: Yes, please. And they go to a great cause. (laughs) And the show is going to be insane, so.
1: Yeah, Nickelback might even be
0: there. Who the hell knows?
1: <laughs> Nickelback <laughs> will be there. All right, buddy. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, before I get anybody in trouble, Nickelback. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. Might. Might not be there. But I was just throwing that around. I don't want to get Sean into any trouble or anything. But what a redemption story. Uh, completely not cleared yet or anything. But this guy might be dropping a phoenix. In my book, he's going to be Sean Unbreakable. Uh, his passion has not left the stories, guys. The stories about uh, the parents not wanting him to be in wrestling, uh, getting into backyard wrestling. And yeah, I see a lot of Jushin Thunder. I really do. I've always thought that. I think those two would put on one hell of a match. This was great. This was fun. And damn it, Super Hentai came up again. Apparently, he's just going to be uh, regurgitated over and over and over on Can Crushers. But a uh, great friend of the show. So, guys, have a great week. And make sure you get out there. May 10th, Lamont Furnace from the Ashes. A Sean Phoenix benefit. You heard what it's going to be for. Gonna help this guy. Here guys, uh wrestling's a fraternity. And a little bit that we do, hopefully uh we help you guys all know that we love this. Uh John always says I'm named a Mark for a reason. Hey, remember, just because you're trash doesn't mean you can't do great things. It's a garbage can, not a garbage cannot. See you from the Crockett Cup.